Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 29, Records and Rain edition of the Grip Strip Podcast, talking about Lewis Hamilton tying Michael Schumacher with 91 Formula One wins, uh, a record that back in 2006 seemed insurmountable, not even possible. There was nowhere, nobody on the horizon to get there, but Lewis Hamilton has done so. He still gets ragged and hated on and whatever. Uh, they can go and all F themselves. That's really what it is because he's tied with Michael Schumacher. He's doing exactly what Michael Schumacher did. We'll talk about more. We'll talk about that more here shortly uh, in terms of the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nürburgring, seeing one of the uh, circuits that played host to Formula One a lot in the 90s, in the late 80s and early 90s, uh, again on the schedule due to COVID. We'll also talk about William Clyde Elliott II becoming the road course king or continuing his road course uh, domination with uh, a roval win, which started in the wet and went to a dry race. We'll also go into what was definitely a wet race and basically a cluster clusterfuck um, on Saturday, which saw a Jay Adderall-Mendinger win. The roundup will go over MotoGP, which saw Danilo Petrucci on the Ducati win in the rain at Le Mans. And uh, Moto2, where you talk about Joe Roberts, go into IMSA, the GT race at, at Charlotte, as a precursor to this weekend's uh, Petit Le Mans, DTM at Zolder, BTCC at Croft, and then we'll give you previews. Uh, definitely going to talk about the Bathurst 1000. It's one of the greatest races. They call it the great race, and it's one of the biggest races in the world. Um, even in COVID time, it's going to be a huge one with all the rumors that are going on with uh, some of the teams and some of the things that are going, uh, it could be a very, uh, <clears throat> basically a, a turning point in the supercars championship here in this final race of the 2020 uh, supercar season. Uh, it used to be the final race for many years. It hadn't been for a while. This year it is again. Um, a lot is changing there. We're going to talk about silly season in between the roundup, uh, in between the NASCAR race and the roundup, because there's been a whole lot of news. There's news that came out here a little bit ago in terms of IndyCar. Um, we'll talk about Petit Le Mans, NHRA at the Texas Motorplex, one of the classic tracks that they go to anymore. Um, MotoGP and Moto2 at Aragon. Estoril hosts World Superbikes. So that'll be cool. Hopefully I can find that on TV. Zolder hosts uh, DTM again. And then NASCAR uh, has a triple header for the rest of the season, the next four weeks. So they'll be running at Kansas, two trucks in Xfinity on Saturday, and Cup on Sunday. With all that, my name's Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine. How you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm doing great, Phil. Um, a lot of uh, news that we had to talk about, you know, with Lewis finally breaking or, well, tying the record. Now he has to set the record, and yeah. which is quite exciting. And a lot of stuff, moving pieces around in uh, IndyCar, some maybe controversial news, I guess, with some of the things that are happening there with uh, who's in and who's out of rides there. 
And of course, the the rain happened this weekend in Charlotte, so that was pretty interesting also. Yeah, the rain happened at Charlotte, and Marcus Smith, for all the money that that asshole has, doesn't know how to put drainage uh, in a road course. And uh, they basically had New York City in a in a torrential downpour. It looked like a they were racing in a hurricane on Saturday, and they were basically because the hurricane Delta was coming through and it was hitting North Carolina and it hit the the race on Saturday and they just said, Oh, let's just go and destroy. Let's just go and have a second consecutive cluster on, uh, in the Xfinity series and destroy more race cars. And that's basically what they did on Saturday. Um, for sure. But first we will talk about the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nürburgring and uh, Lewis Hamilton comes through. It wasn't his best weekend up to the race. He didn't qual- qualify on pole. Valtteri Bottas qualified on pole. He had been fast in practice as well. Uh, Bottas gets the start there and was leading early, but he made a mistake breaking into turn one, which allowed Hamilton through which at that point he took off and led the last uh, 48 laps of the race. And uh, Max Verstappen followed basically close by the rest of the way. Uh, Valtteri Bottas fell out because of uh, uh, mechanical issues, uh, power unit issues. So he had to to box and uh, retire. Uh, That was definitely where that was a big turning point. There was a car, there was a safety car late, which could have made some difference within the running order. But in the end, we saw the, the, the top two held the top three held really, uh, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, Daniel Ricardo finishes third his first podium since winning the 2018 Monaco Grand Prix. His first podium for Renault, the first podium for Renault as a constructor since 2011. A lot going on there. Sergio Perez, he drives pretty good for a fired guy. I'll tell you, he's finished fourth. Carlos Sainz, fifth. Gasly in sixth. Charles Leclerc qualified fourth uh, in the in the Scuderia, whatever, the, the Scarlet Toilet. And finished seventh. Nico Hulkenberg got called in to drive the car a couple hours before the first practice and qualify. He was able to put in a representative qualifying time, but qualified dead last. Came from dead last to eighth, which is something I'm sure the guy that usually drives that car wouldn't be able to do. Um, Roman Grosjean and Giovinazzi gets the points or get the points. Uh, Vettel outside the points again. He's basically just, you know, uh, kind of, you know, running out the string. Um, I don't know what he's going to do in an Aston in the in the tracing point. Aston Martin stroll F1 team. But uh, Kimi Raikkonen broke the record for the most Grand Prix starts, uh, finished 12th. And then there was other things. Lando Norris had issues. He would have had a chance at a podium. 
Albon, Alexander Albon's nightmare continues, and now there's rumors about him, whether it's Checo, whether it's uh, Nico Hulkenberg, he might lose his ride to one of those guys. Esteban Ocon had uh, power unit hydraulic problems, fell out, and while his teammate finished third. And then we talked about Botas and George Russell got sent, got yeeted by Kimi Raikkonen in turn one and destroyed his car. Um, there were rumors about issues with George Russell and his ride, but I haven't seen anything uh, recently to get update on that. So uh, first, Josh, uh, thoughts on Lewis Hamilton tying Michael Schumacher with 91 Formula One Grand Prix wins. Um uh, and just, I guess, uh, other uh, other things that you saw or, or stood out to you on Sunday during the Eiffel Grand Prix. Yeah, I mean, they, for Lewis, this is, you know, obviously this ties the record and it's a significant record for him. And he'll likely get that uh, next win at the next race or whenever, you know, um, that happens. But it just shows... Um, just how great of a driver he is in Formula One, and really it cements kind of his legacy in this sport, um, even though he probably has at least a, a few more years driving, um, he's probably going to reach, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he got up to 100 wins within the next couple of seasons if he continues to go on the pace that he's on, and he continues to drive, but as um, kind of all coming in full circle, because this is basically like a home track, I guess you could say, for Mercedes being from, you know, this is a German manufacturer pointing at a German track, and plus um, he tied the record in Germany, which is the home country of Michael Schumacher, and and he was presented the helmet with uh, from his son Mick Schumacher and, and all the ceremonious stuff that goes with it. But it wasn't easy, obviously. You know, we talked about uh, Valtteri Bottas. You had a had a chance to, you know, maybe to have, be a threat to this uh, not happening, but then of course, you know, he uh, ended up dropping out of the race with uh, mechanical failure there, and and then Lewis took the lead for the rest of the way, and that's how it turned out. So um, he'll continue to set records as he moves along in his career, uh, and obviously he'll have to be considered as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, Formula One driver in the history of the sport. I mean, I think, you know, talk about like the history of the Formula One series and who's the greatest of all time. And, you know, people say it's this driver, or it's Lewis or someone else. Well, I think you really have to say it's like greatest of their individual era. And Lewis, yeah, certainly, since he absolutely. came in, he's yeah. been the greatest of his era, especially since he moved to Mercedes in 2014 or 2013, actually. And and actually, he, he took over Michael Schumacher's um, car because it was point. Michael Schumacher and Nico Rosberg. And then Lewis took over uh, Michael's car, and mm-hmm. now he tied the record. So um, what a what a way to kind of um, go in full, full circle, I guess. And, and you know, you talk about other drivers that stood out, like um, in this race – uh, Daniel Ricciardo is one of them, I think, and especially he's finally able to get a podium this season. And for him, it, I guess, like, it's been a long time coming to get a podium for him since having not had one in a couple of years since he won at Monaco. And, you know, this last month, he's kind of been on a roll. You know, he had fourth at Spa, then sixth Monza, then fourth at Tuscany, and then fifth last 
race at Sochi, and then this race third. So just a matter of time before he could get a result. And um, for him, I mean, it's good for him to get, finally get a good podium and also um, maybe a good way to send him off as he moves on to his next ride at McLaren. And also good, to get a tram yeah. stamp for uh, for um, Cyril at a beatable or whatever the hell his name is because they had a bet and if he oh, yeah, got a podium true. so now um i i keep on saying it i've said it on the grid talk podcast george Housen's show i've kept on talking about it as a tram stamp it probably isn't going to be a tram stamp but cyril has to get a tattoo and based on what um um what what uh daniel ricardo was saying it's going to have it seems like, based on what he was saying, it's going to have something to do with Lederhosen, him and Lederhosen, and it's going to end up somewhere probably on a thigh or something like that, or calf, or we'll see. But I'm I'm curious to see the finished product for old Cyril while he has to go and talk to Fernando Alonso next year while he has a tattoo of Daniel Ricardo and Lederhosen. Uh, on his person, but you can go back. Or you can go ahead. It's just hilarious yeah. to me. Oh yeah, it was. That's a definitely a funny storyline there. But yeah, a positive result for Renault as they move into the off season or they get closer to the end of the season, and uh, something to maybe build on as uh, Fernando Alonso takes in his uh, ride and and resumes his Formula One career. Um, and then, of course, like Nico Hulkenberg and. And him basically kind of being like the uh, backup driver for Racing Point and being on the ready and and for him uh, to kind of uh, get a continue just to shine even like when he's, um, you know, in that kind of reserve role. That's a good good thing for him. And he's able to outscore drivers who are in the series regularly and and have. Uh, more seat time than him. I think that's a very commendable result for him and finishing, you know, eighth over people who are going to be taking over his ride next year. And with um, Sebastian Vettel going over to racing point and, and that that's a definitely an interesting result uh, uh, there, but um, you know, with other, other drivers, I mean, um, Lando like had an engine failure, which, Tough result for him, and he started eighth in this race. So, um, you know, something that they have to kind of focus on is getting more consistency, I guess, for McLaren going into next year as they continue to rebuild and become kind of back to where they were many, many years ago. So, I guess that's all the takeaways I have. But, you know, the, again, this is a historical race for sure. And then the 92nd one will even be more historical because that'll be the one that, uh, Lewis breaks the record at whether that's the next race or the following after it, whenever it happens. Absolutely. You're talking about uh, Portimao will be the next uh, race, which will not be this weekend. It'll be the following week. So we'll talk about that on the GSP, uh, the possibility. Now it's going to be 92 watch because really the world championship for all intents and purposes, the Drivers' championship is basically over. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to. I'm not going to say it. Uh, I'm not going to just go. I should it, shouldn't say it that it's over. I'm. It is basically over. Uh, he's got a 69 point lead. <laughs> 69. Uh, he has a 69 point lead on 
uh, Max Verstappen, and it's a little bit more on Valtteri Bottas, who was in a position at 44 points back. There's a whole numerology thing going on there, 44, and then he had a 33-point lead on Max Verstappen, which made it 77 points, which is Valtteri's number going into the race. If Valtteri had been able to win that race, you know, it might have been a battle for the world championship. But uh, the mechanical happened there in a lot of ways. The Some of the things, some of that luck that Lewis had during his time with Nico has kind of went the way of with Valtteri. But then you consider Valtteri's probably a better talent than Nico Rosberg, but he doesn't have the luck, and he's kind of gotten in his own head. Um, it's unfortunate. I think his time with Mercedes will be done after 2021 anyway. I think George Russell will be in that ride, so he's already kind of looking at what am I going to do after uh, this <clears throat> next year, which likely won't involve him winning a world championship either i would venture to say that lewis would be a prohibitive favorite and wouldn't be going out on a, a limb by any stretch for an eighth world championship because now you're talking about once he break once he gets past 91 the next goal is to get 100 and 100 getting 100 pulls and 100 wins of course getting 100 wins he's we're at 91, he needs nine more. He's at 96 poles. It's more likely he'll get with a 20, what amounts to, I think, a 22 race schedule next year, if they're able to get the full 22 race schedule. The likelihood of Mercedes and Lewis being able to hit some of these targets or his targets is very likely. If they had a full season, I think uh, Lewis would probably be closer to. 90 he would have passed uh michael schumacher's record already um and but the fact is he's there he's tied the moment with mick was a beautiful moment uh it's uh, and the point you made about uh you know taking over michael's ride basically because it was michael's car and nikki lauda convinced lewis to come there and say hey believe in our program we're gonna make you a car that you could be the, be a world champion multiple times over and you can win a lot of grand prix it hasn't been good the last few years for you but if you believe in us and you believe in this program we're gonna make it happen and nikki laudo is right because ever since lewis hamilton went to uh, to Mercedes, he's won the he, Sunday's race was his 70th win for Mercedes uh, as, as a driver. There, he has 91 wins and he's won 70 of them with with the uh, with the Mercedes team. I, I have to look back at Michael Schumacher to see how many he won at Ferrari, but um, I would sh- assume based on because they're showing all the comparisons of their stats at this point um of course michael schumacher did in less races most of the years that he ran in formula one there was between 16 and 
I guess, 18 races or 19 races at most. Uh, so now Lewis has has had uh, the last few years 20 races, 21 races. This year there will be 17, uh, but which was the same as the first three years he was in the championship. So theoretically, Michael had less races to get there, but he got there sooner. But Lewis is great. And people who want to denigrate Lewis Hamilton, um, they should come on the GSP so we can have a frank and uh, worthwhile discussion because I'll defend Lewis Hamilton to the core, all to the end, because I've been a Lewis Hamilton guy going back, going back to GP2, F2, whatever the hell it was called at that. It was, it was GP2 back then. I I was I was a fan from when he came in and this ride the ride that he's been on these last few years I would have never thought would have happened especially when Sebastian Vettel went on his run of four straight world championships which is interesting considering how Sebastian Vettel has basically become this also ran um, and I don't see that changing going to stroll F1 next year i'm sure he's going to get paid a lot of money by lawrence stroll and he's going to have a lot of ambassador and this that other thing options try probably drive a sports car all this we talked about that on the grid talk podcast if you want to go and watch see that on youtube or listen to that wherever you get podcasts you get our podcast it's usually same you can find the grid talk podcast as well um we had a great discussion about that during uh, Sunday after the race. So um, if you want F1 specific, that's a great place. And in terms of uh, what Sebastian Vettel is going to do or what he, I mean, based on what he's doing right now, it doesn't speak very highly of what he's going to be doing in this next year or a couple of years. Uh, I mean, it also kind of references Fernando Alonso, another former world champion connecting both of those guys. Uh, he's just tested today in a Renault, his first test for Renault as he makes his return to formula one and he needs to get back into formula one shape. He hasn't been in that uh, mode or mindset. A great documentary is Fernando's. There's a documentary on Amazon, yeah, Amazon prime. prime. Yeah. That's a great that's a great watch to go and see him with his smoking hot girlfriend and his sister and other people. You know, the respect that there is for Fernando Alonso across across the world. It shows how great it's like great legendary drivers. And and even when they go through the worst of the worst, which. He did at Indianapolis last year and even this year for that matter. It doesn't pass over the fact that they're great. And it all connects back to whole, you know, like we talk about Michael Schumacher. There's only been three people that beat Michael Schumacher when he was at his he was at his peak. Fernando Alonso was the last one. It was it was Damon Hill, which, you know, you can get into that, but it was Damon Hill, Mika Hakkinen, and Fernando Alonso. 
the fact of the matter is Damien Hill is a freaking pundit for Sky F1. Mika Hakkinen is a manager, and he manages drivers like Valtteri, and he's he's respected and well-renowned because he beat Michael Schumacher, and then, of course, Fred. And now he's coming back next year. And the way Renault's running, like you brought up, Josh, the way they're running right now, Renault's with when they're going to be Alpine, they're going to be a contender for third in the constructors next year for sure. That McLaren Mercedes, the McLaren Mercedes versus Alpine battle is going to be a big battle next year for sure. Um, we're already getting that right now. Um, we'll see what Ferrari has to, to show or if they're going to go and absolutely tank and go towards 22. Um, you know, you look at to- the, the Alpha Tori team now that Gasly is going to be set as their lead dog. What are they going to do there? Are they going to make another step forward? What Red Bull's going to be able to do if they put a veteran driver in? which it seems like that's where they're going to be going. Um, a lot of moving parts going on. Of course, Mick Schumacher is at the race, but he wasn't able to practice. Same with Callum Eilat, who are battling for the F2 championship. Uh, they were supposed to run FP1, but of course, Torrential Rains couldn't get the helicopter up. They were there, but they couldn't run. Uh, they may run here, whether it's at Portimao, whether it's at... Imola, they or Abu Dhabi. I think Abu Dhabi is probably where they're going to run, which would be kind of interesting considering, or Bahrain, because they're battling for their championship too. But we will see. Uh, definitely an amazing moment, uh, emotional for a lot of people, including me, to watch uh, Lewis tie Michael Schumacher. And hopefully at Portimao here um, in a couple weeks' time, we'll be talking about 92 Formula One wins for Lewis Hamilton. For me, I I know there's plenty of people that hate him and go fuck yourself. Um, I don't really care. Um, There's plenty of things I can go and say that about, but that's one of them. Um, With that, we will... Um, move. Um, I mean, we'll move on because whatever the world championship, both the drivers and constructors championship, you could basically call it a day. Um, right now, the drivers championship, as I said, is is basically 69 points to Botas. I was, I thought it was Verstappen. They said it was Verstappen on on TV. My fault. So. 69 points of Botas, 83 points to Max Verstappen. He stole the fastest lap point there um, on the final lap. Ricardo is fourth in points. Sergio Perez is fifth in points, and he's missed two races. That let, let's let's take that into perspective. Sergio Perez missed a race because of COVID, and his car he didn't even get to start a race or whatever. And he's fifth in points against guys that have run every race. And 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 Sergio Perez doesn't have a job right now. But based on what's going on, he has options. I, I guess Lawrence Stroll really knows what he's doing. Um, 
while while Lance had a stomach bug, probably took it in the ass. His ass was bleeding. That's why he couldn't run. Yeah, that's but, definitely a stomach bug. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. Um, Lando Norris there, Alex Albon, who's gonna not have a job. I feel bad for him. Uh, he got screwed. He's the Red Bull screw. Uh, it's like the M the the wall trip screw job. That's what what Alex Albon's looking at, and uh, I, I would like to see Alexander Albon come to IndyCar. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would act absolutely love to see Albon come to IndyCar because I think he could open up and be you know a little loose looser. Um, he would he would be a lot like Alexander Rossi. And if you put him in the right spot, he could really succeed here and and make a home here uh, in the States. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but we'll see. Leclerc, Stroll, Gasly, top 10 in points. Of course, Pierre Gasly won the Italian Grand Prix. So uh, we will see what's going on. We'll talk about it. Portimao coming up. Brand new circuit. In Portugal, first time they'll be running in Portugal since the mid-90s. Estoril's one of my favorite circuits. I love that place. It's beautiful. I need to go there at some point in my life for vacation. Um, Thanks to COVID, I don't know when that'll ever happen. But uh, I would love to go there and just drive that circuit just to say that I drove on the circuit that, you know, Ayrton Senna won his first Grand Prix in a torrential downpour. And... um, Speaking of torrential downpours, uh, we had the Roval at Charlotte this weekend, and uh, quite frankly, there was definitely a whole, quite frankly, there was definitely a lot of uh, rain at Charlotte, and uh, the Smiths don't know what drainage is or how to run a road court, but I will give NASCAR credit for the first time ever, they allowed drivers to try to get themselves out of their cluster situation but the problem is they had no grip because the bad year rain tires aren't very good and some of them are on slicks uh the cutoff race for the cup series saw uh, william clyde elliott the second go and get yet another road course win uh, fourth consecutive road course when he has become the new road course king in the uh, Cup Series, which is something which is shocking, to be completely honest. You never thought that Clyde would have become the road course king, but he uh, he has. Uh, Got to give him respect because. You have to put some respect on it because he he's he has proven to be as good as some of the greats that everyone talks about, whether it's the guy he replaced, Jeff Gordon, whether it's Tony Stewart, Ricky Rudd, Rusty Wallace. You know, after you think about great road course racers, Mark Martin, you know. But Chase Elliott's there. And uh, he's given himself an opportunity now by doing getting that win uh, to go and possibly go and win this championship. If he can put together a good round round three here 
in this playoff. Um, that's funny. It says race results for the 61st annual Bank of America Roval 400. That's funny. 61st annual. Yeah, really? That's interesting. Uh, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Eric Jones, who has no job, but he's been on fire. Uh, he recently gets a third. Kurt Bush. Kurt Bush. Oh! Sorry, Josh. Um, I, I had to do the Ronnie, the limo driver thing there. Uh, Ryan Blaney, top five there. William Byron led tied with his teammate there for the most laps led in the Ricky Hendrick throwback or Jack Sprague throwback Hendrick cars dot com uh, 24 Martin Truex Jr. Alex Bowman Cole Custer uh, who's using uh, Old Spice to go and give himself hair supposedly um, that would be something that's not as good as the Tony commercials though they can't they they'll never be able to matched the commercials that Tony did back in 2009 and all that when he was when he was when he was using Old Spice and those commercials and speaking of somebody who probably uses Old Spice Brute and uh, some other probably cheap beer uh, Clint Boyer with no power steering finished 10th William Clyde Elliott gets another, the second gets another road course win, Josh. Uh, it was definitely interesting. Uh, wet to dry race. You had Ty Dillon uh, waiting on his smoking hot wife to pop out captain, uh, getting a getting a stage win there in the wet. Um, you had guys that usually wouldn't be up there getting stage points in a road course like Bubba. You know, Timmy Brad, Hill. Timmy Hill. Oh, that was that was awesome. Yeah, I forgot about that. Timmy Hill finished fifth in stage one, and then his engine went and he fell out. But Timmy Hill, I mean, he ran well on Saturday in that cluster. And the Boot Scoot Boogie Warrior, uh, that team, I, I wish somebody would support those guys because they are – uh, somebody legitimate, not a super PAC, not any of that, like su- legitimate support because Timmy Hill and Carl Long and those, that whole entire group, the men and women that work at MDM, that's what NASCAR is about right there. Uh, you're, you're, you're missing out. You're losing out on an opportunity with, with him. Um, I'll, I'll be a shill for Timmy Hill. I'll be a shill for Timmy Hill at Rhymes. I'll do it until he comes on the show. I'll do it even if he never comes on this show because uh, he's a good guy, a uh, good fan, a good family. His dad races, his brother races. Right now, the two of them race trucks. Um, that's the kind of people you're supposed to support, not people who do cocaine or do other drugs or drop hard R's or, you know, people who don't give a crap about fans, you know, or just plus pains in the ass or, or daddy's money, pieces of crap guys who, who earned it and have driven. That's what, what motorsports is supposed to be about. Um, you know, there's too many people who, who get away with being garbage at, at life and garbage at their jobs. 
Um, Timmy Hill's definitely not. He's the opposite of that. Uh, he he cares and he's good and he could be great if you gave him the right opportunity. And and props to Josh Balicki blew a bad year tire at the end of the race to make it a little dramatic, destroy one of those Rick Ware toilets. But uh, he told Jim Utter to go f himself, along with the C CCO um, of Ally. Uh, who's going to be sponsoring Alex Bowman next year because they're going to rebadge Alex Bowman's team to the 48. Um, I guess we're jumping the gun there a little bit, but she went and told uh, Jim Utter to unfollow yeah, her. Yeah, which he's, he's, I mean, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit, but um, you, Josh, what were your, what did you take away from uh, Sunday's uh, Roval? deal at uh charlotte yeah no it was a good race actually in my opinion i mean there wasn't a lot of rain unlike the day before uh i mean it was just enough rain where they had to use the rain tires at least for the first half of the race and it was interesting to see all these drivers to figure out how to race in the wet and everything and they were able to uh, try out different strategies of when it was time to uh switch to the the back to the slicks and you saw that with Ty Dillon going onto the slicks before everybody else. And he was able to, Oh, I think he was still on the, on the dry tire or the wet tire still, but um, he was able to use that tire strategy to get up to the lead and um, end up getting that first stage. And, and then, uh, you know, you talk about like somebody like Clint Boyer who, um, had opportunities to stay up in the lead and it you know just didn't work out for him and and then other other uh drivers were just like kind of going up through and back the field like it seemed like they were just you know cycling themselves throughout the race just because the tire strategy and that was like kind of interesting thing that i i thought of on sunday is just like um the the rain you know bringing about like that uh strategy to um, you know, like how long would you stay out on on uh, the wet tires versus you know going to the uh, slicks, and then the issue of hydroplaning in, in these cars, especially with the cup cars being uh, so low to the ground and having basically zero ground clearance, and and how that would affect the tread and its ability to maneuver through the water, uh, which you know that was definitely an interesting thing. It, w- it wasn't like a bad race like the day before, but um, it was a, a solid race, I feel like. And you, know, you talk about Chase Elliott uh, going out and winning his uh, fourth straight ro- uh, road course race, and and it shows just how, how good of a road course racer he is. I mean, even when he was in Xfinity and, and in the truck series, he had good results there too, but just hadn't won yet until now. And I'm you know, he's whatever they've done, they figured it out. I mean, it's not just him, it's his team. And I, I might have mentioned it before, but I'm pretty sure I remembered reading that Hendrick basically they, they have like a, a clientele program where they uh, lease out like old race cars to people to drive at road courses. And somehow they're able to uh, gather data. And, and uh, I don't know if they're actually using that or not, but. Uh, it's like some kind of test program where they rent out old cars or recent chassis that they've used in the past to people use at road courses and 
and um, I guess I wonder if it's a way for them to skirt the rules and and uh, you know gather information uh, to use at at road courses, and that's I guess maybe that's helped them or something. I don't know. I don't know how true that is, but that's that was a, hey, a rumor hey. that I saw flying around. I think that 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 is that's a very good point. I mean, yeah. you you consider Clyde as good. Um, I mean, he's not elite. Maybe he yeah. will be. He he maybe he will be here in four weeks' time. But um, his road course prowess, nobody would have really saw that. But then you could probably say that about Jeffy and Tony too. But then when you look at what their driving ability and their ability to drive on different surfaces, I think it kind of would have been more predictable than what. Uh, Chase has done, but you know they they have that program. It's it's a great point. I I know you mentioned that earlier in in the show and other episodes uh, back. I think probably during the Daytona, yeah, uh, of course episode you brought that up because uh, I think that also had to do with Alex Bay, which we'll talk about with Alex Bay here shortly. Um, where they're able to rent out those cars and, and it's true. Maybe they're able to get, get some Intel maybe because now they have no practice. And in today's NASCAR, where the majority of races coming into 2021 are going to have no practice. Well, go and send out some rich MF driving a, a old, a quote, uh, you know, air quotes. I'm doing the air quotes right now. Yeah. Old Hendrick chassis, around circuit of the americas or Watkins or, or road america or the Indy road course and you get simulation data to go and simulate what the cup car is going to be able to do of course the the other thing that's in there too uh is the fact that Junior Motorsports is basically the Hendrick Motorsports Xfinity team and they have four cars out there so they're able to take the data from JRM, transfer that over to, and then that also makes a difference because you look at William Byron, he's not a road racer. He's, he's a yeah, sim he led racer. Laps. Yeah, and he led, he tied Clyde with the most laps led. So, I mean, that, and then, you, you know, Alex Bowman was up there, uh, got damaged, but he was up there. The only person that really wasn't up there was was Johnson, um, which is interesting since he's going to be in an IndyCar and running road courses next year, but that's beside the point. The Hendrick car is 30 and finished in 13th. So yeah. 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 So, I mean that you can't really, uh, knock him because at the end of the day, he's not going to be able to get a good draw the rest of the year. He's not going to get a good draw on starting positions unless he wins or does something crazy. Uh, which he isn't going to win the rest of the year. I'll I'll come out. I'll I'll come out and say it right now before we get to the next piece here. Neither Jimmy Johnson or the guy who's a defending series champion is going to win uh, in the next four weeks. And you can go and book it. And if they do, I've already shaved off my sideburns. So, and I've ran I've ran in my underwear on my front yard before. When uh, I lost a bet with with my best friends, uh, when the Jets actually won more than eight games, it was like 
what was it, 11 years ago. Uh, that definitely won't happen this year. Um, but if one of those two guys win, um, I'll, I, I, I'm willing to do that. I'm, I'm proud. Uh, I can do that. I have no problem. I need to run. Um, and I'll run across my front yard. It ain't that far. So, and I'll, I'll be like Jerry Rice. Happy birthday to the greatest, the, the greatest of all time, Jerry Rice. Today, it's the 13th of October when doing this show. But I, I think the other takeaway, though, in this race is uh, Kyle Busch. Yeah. Defending series champion is sent. He called a shot. He said he was going home uh, at Bristol when he didn't win. Uh, but it's crazy to think this is the first time since they have this newest uh, point system or, or, or playoff system that the defending series champion has not advanced to the round of eight. What does this say about, I mean, I talked about this with Clayton last night. He was bringing up points about maybe they're going to switch Adam Stevens. Uh, they might put a different crew chief. What What is the deal here? What do you think, Josh, about Kyle Bush, or are they going to make a crew chief change? Should they make a crew chief change? What is what this whole year? What what happened? What, what happened here? Is it like Dale Earnhardt in 1992? Is it you know, or is it more like what's gone on with Jimmy Johnson here uh, post 2013, where he got the one championship but he needed absolutely everything to go his way? Is it going to be more like Tony Stewart post-2011 or Jeff Gordon, you know, after 2001? What 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 are we supposed to take away from what happened here to Kyle Busch and the prospects considering what 2021 looks like for um, no practice? Yeah, I think for Kyle Busch, like, like he, he's just been bad this entire season for his standards. And I mean, you know, he called the shot. I mean, it's, it shows you the level of confidence you have in your team when you openly say on TV that, yeah, we're not making it in the next round. I mean, I mean, it's really honest, which I mean, is good, but it, it just shows that like how bad your team is when you can, you know, you can be upfront and just say that, um, which, you know, we've seen drivers say that before and go on to win championships like Tony Stewart in 2011. But uh, you know, Kyle Busch was just really bad, and they they had chances, but uh, you know he led three laps, and but then you know he ran into uh, Clint Boyer in, in in the in the Roval on Sunday, and and had a flat tire, and and that was you know basically the end of him, and he ended up I mean, he was on the lead lap, but he ended up finishing in thirtieth place, and nowhere near what he needed to make it into the next round here in the round of eight, but. I think for him, I you know they asked him about if they were going to change uh, uh, crew chiefs next year and from Adam Stevens to somebody else, and and uh, he kind of mocked the question. I think he said it was like a stupid question or something, but I think it's pretty clear that they'll probably make a change. And and I, some on Reddit, I was reading like some Kyle Busch fans were saying that well, Adam Stevens doesn't really bring a good car to the racetrack, but he's good at. Um, getting feedback from the driver and adjusting the car throughout the weekend and getting it ready for Sunday. And I guess maybe that's another reason why he's been so hurt by the lack of practice 
is that they haven't had the chance to dial in the car uh, to what they uh, needed to be for him to uh, go and drive it on Sundays. And and I think that's uh, a consequence of the lack of practice and, and the inability to uh, have that uh, level of preparation. And there's only so many things that you can do in the sim you know whether that's well, i racing is more for the the driver. It's not really like a a team tool, but they also have the other sim that they can use with uh, the manufacturer that um, pretty much every every uh, manufacturer has now. And yeah. and even even with that, you know that's that's like only you can only get so much from that, and and there's only you know like so much you can do in theory, and you know once you get to the actual application, it. You know that that stuff can go out the window, and it may not like what what you may have thought would work won't actually work when it comes to the racetrack. Whether that's due to you know the weather or, or track conditions or or whatever, and, and I think that's like an important aspect that um, he, um, I guess Adam Stevens really depends on his feedback and having the time to to get it dialed in. And really, that actually that does show that the you know in previous years. Where they are able to uh, dominate, that that shows that that uh, that's something that they really need and that they really depended on. And who knows, like if they're actually able to, you know, bring uh, better cars to the track without having to uh, adjust it and and uh, use practice to to set it up. Like maybe maybe Kyle Busch would be even more dominant than he already was in the past. So I mean, that's something to think about going forward. And, Maybe they'll they'll probably make a crew chief change, I suppose, and they'll go to another driver or, or another crew chief. Um, actually, in in the Xfinity series, maybe somebody that they're looking to promote, or maybe they'll just promote from within the team and just swap out the crew chief with uh, the car chief or something like that. And or they'll 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 find somebody, but uh, it's probably likely that they have a crew chief change. I, I feel like you have to because this was. Um, not the way that he wanted to defend his title and he's not going to win a race likely most likely it's and um i mean if he, if he is it's probably gonna be like martinsville or something that's probably his best chance because they probably won't unless like something happens they get really lucky at like kansas or texas uh they just don't have the pace at either of those tracks i feel like and uh maybe, maybe texas he finished their second in the summer but but uh, with with the way these playoffs are playing out, uh, it's likely that the top spots go to playoff drivers, and uh, probably his best chance is to bump somebody out of the way just to get a win for pride, I guess, at, at a place like Martinsville um, under the lights or in the uh, uh, sunlight if they race day or night. But I, they probably have to make a change just because, like, you can't um, go this far into the season without a win, and you can't be eliminated this early as the defending title champion. Yeah, I, I I'll disagree with that on the basis of if if Kyle Busch didn't have Adam Stevens, I think Kyle Busch would have lost his fucking mind and he would have been worse off than his brother. Um, Reverend Gibbs has protected him for twelve years, uh, thirteen years, whatever. As a member of Joe Gibbs Racing, he has learned from Tony's time there in how to handle a hothead. Um, And I say that as a Tony Stewart diehard. Uh, Kyle Busch is an elite driver, an elite talent. 
Uh, he is definitely not an elite person, but he is an elite talent driving a race car. But this year, he has looked very ordinary, um, and not not just in the Cup Series, to be honest. I mean, the Cup Series is one thing. He only has two stage wins and four playoff points. His big brother, who has a win at Vegas because he played strategy, because that's what you can do on cookie cutters. Um, he only has one stage win, and he only has two more playoff points. And he wasn't as good this year as he was last year, frankly. And he hit the wall at Vegas, and that ended him. But Kyle Busch, um, he is somebody who needs laps. He needs seat time. The Kyle Busch rule uh, being established for other series basically has hurt him as much as anybody else. And... Uh, you know, for as great of a talent as he is, he needs more time in the car. And I'm like, it, it, I was saying this in a post on Twitter earlier at Philip G. Matthew, uh, at JP Huffine for Josh, where, and at Grip Strip Pod is our Twitter for all of us. And when it, I was talking to somebody else, one of person we follow each other and talking about the Xfinity series. I think it was a post about Kevin Harvick won the Xfinity championship. Uh, it was a Bush, Bush series championship back in 2006 with four races to go after he'd won nine races and all that. And it was cup light. And that's what it was because of, of uh, Fox and NBC demanding that all the races be in the same spot. So the Xfinity series basically became cup light and then on top of that, you got all the Cup Series teams going and running. I think Kyle Busch Motorsports, there should be a rule. If if Kyle Busch decided he wanted to run Kyle Busch Motorsports in the Xfinity Series, and he goes and gets equipment from JGR and chassis and whatever, and he wanted to run the 54 car, he could run – they should just say, oh, he could run as many races as he wants. As long as they can verify that he's putting the cars together, they're putting the cars together and everything at his own shop, the same shop where he has a truck series team, what are they supposed to say? It's the same way as when Tony Stewart was running Hendrick crap uh, and he went and beat Hendrick with their equipment, same way as Kevin Harvick beat Hendrick with their equipment at SHR. Um, I mean, granted... Kyle tried to do it on his own back a few years ago and he didn't win a race, but Kurt did at Richmond in the 54 car. Uh, he needs a seat time. I, I was joking around about it last night on the Gia on the, on the, on talking in circles, Clayton Caldwell. We're on, is on blog talk radio. Find it wherever podcasts you can find talking in circles. Uh, they were talking about you should go and build an ARCA car be like Ken Schrader go and build an ARCA car go and drive a truck drive Xfinity drive whatever drive drive a super late model because obviously he builds supers he builds supers he builds crate late models go run as many freaking races as you can try to win as many races as you can because that's what fires up Kyle Bush. He's a guy that needs to race. 
So go and race. The same way as Kyle Larson has lived off of going and winning all these races and he's going to get back in the Cup Series, Kyle Busch needs to get in a car. I am nowhere near a Kyle Busch fan, but I know that Kyle Busch needs to race so that he can be good. So whatever he has to do to be good, they should be focusing on that. Turd needs to go and say, hey, we'll fund you to go and run ARCA. Every race you want to run ARCA, whether it's ARCA East, ARCA West, ARCA whatever. You know, run ARCA. You run run ARCA, whatever, the, the CRA late models. You know, that, that, like he has to do that. And in a lot of ways, this last four races of the this championship, for most of these teams, even teams that are in the final eight, is about 2021, knowing that the majority of the races that they're going to have are going to be no practice. You're going to be showing up with the algorithm. You're going to have one car. You're going to tech your car and you're going to go out on the racetrack with no practice. So you have to know full well that you're going to have no practice. You have to show up correct. And and if you can't, then you're going to be behind, and it's going to be ugly. And fundamentally, for Kyle Busch, he's bid the third-best car this year at Joe Gibbs Racing, and it's and and even though the points say... He's only 11 points behind Martin Truex. It's been way more uh, more of an issue than 11 points because it's all because of playoff points. Uh, speaking of playoff points and losing opportunities, uh, Chase Briscoe, which uh, hurt my heart on Saturday during the um, clusterfuck which was the drive for the cure 250 at the uh, Roval spun out on a, a late on a overtime restart driving into a puddle and uh, gave the win to AJ Adderallmendinger. And um, yeah, I mean, Chase led the most laps and won the second stage. AJ didn't even win a stage and wasn't even got zero stage points in that race. They were the two best cars for sure. Um, you, you look at you look at Kaz Grala had stage. He won the first stage and then had suspension issues, wrecks or whatever. Unfortunate for him, he had a chance to win that race. He had a great car. Um, uh, I mean, I guess the question, Josh, is what do you think of NASCAR allowing these teams and allowing this series to run out in what amounted to a hurricane with these cars in a cutoff race? And then other than that, your takeaways from a race that, you know, we saw A.J. Allmendinger win. Gregson, who him and, and fellow daddy's money butthurt MF or Riley Herbst got into it, 
Hamrick gets a third place finish. Alex LeBay, as I was going to say, as I said earlier, gets a top five. He could have won this race, honestly, if he had a better motor uh, on restarts, better gearbox. Ross Chastain uh, makes it into the next round with the top five. Austin Sindrick was nowhere on Saturday, which was shocking, uh, really shocking. Uh, I think he'll take care of that here this weekend. But uh, Jade uh, Cody Ware uh, making his Xfinity Series debut for 2020 gets a seventh. Jade Buford an eighth. Michael Annette, Brockshot Jones finishing top ten. Michael Annette gets eliminated, of course, because he's Michael Annette. Riley Herbs. Uh, you had um, Harrison Burton got eliminated. He had mechanical problems. And then Brandon Brown, who got stage points, but then got wrecked and drowned his 68 car, which uh, flooded his uh, semi. So uh, thoughts, takeaways on the drive for the Cure 250, Josh? Yeah, it was a very chaotic race, and they raced basically the entire time in a torrential downpour. It was just continuous rain throughout the entire race, and and like you said, like you said, it was just a almost a hurricane basically. And you can say that it was bad management on NASCAR and just poor planning for them to run a race like that when it was pretty bad conditions. But this isn't the first time that NASCAR has raced like this uh, um, in very poor weather and basically cars just spinning out almost every couple of laps, every lap, whenever, just because of the lack of the control that they have with stock cars on wet tires and wet track. Because the Xfinity Series has basically been the guinea pig for racing in the rain since 2008 when they went to uh, Montreal. And that was the first race where they had racing in the rain really ever in NASCAR and uh, under green flag conditions. And and it started out kind of like how it was on Sunday with uh, the Cup Series, the kind of steady but light rain. And that's how it was at that race and then ended up getting poor. Um, and then they had to red flag the race and, and, and end it prematurely. And I remember a couple of years ago, 2016, the mid-Ohio race where it was just raining kind of like how it did on Saturday and just continuous, continuous rain and, and shows you just uh, um, how, how desperate NASCAR is to be able to run these races on schedule and not really wait for a delay. And in this case, it was even bad because – it was run at like 3.30 on a Saturday, and it was already kind of dark because of the weather. And as we get further into the year, you know, nightfall comes a little bit earlier, and plus with the weather, it makes it even more darker. And plus with the lack of lighting in the infield, on the infield road course, uh, maybe creating some safety hazards there. So a little bit of a poor execution there on NASCAR's part, whether they should have stopped the race and continued it on on a Monday or waited until after the cup race on uh, Sunday or before the cup race on Sunday to uh, resume the race under uh, much favorable conditions. Uh, maybe that could have happened. But uh, with all that said, it was a interesting race still. And, and the 
you saw a lot of a lot of drivers like testing out what they would do in the rain. We saw AJ Allmendinger in the last uh, chicane throughout the entire race, just like basically like figure out a line to avoid the puddles and basically taking a, a higher line, a higher entry into that corner and kind of a little bit unconventional, but it, he made it work uh, throughout that race and saw Noah Gregson get taken out by Riley Hurst. And that was a little bit of an interesting storyline there and kind of pissed off Noah Gregson and he was able to come back and finish in second. Uh, he had a good other car. guys. Yeah, it was a good car. Alex Labbe and his car, he was, consistent throughout the day throughout the rain he has a uh, rain experience too uh in road racing and and he came out in fourth so it was a good run for him and even even guys like the rick Ware cars who normally are starting parks and cody Ware finishing seventh in his run and that that was definitely a good run for that team um but uh just just a, a lot of interesting uh race or things that played out and and you know we saw saw cars completely miss the last corner. We saw cars spinning out like Chase uh, Briscoe did at, at uh, the last restart, and saw cars miss the transition onto the back onto the bank curve and the first turn on the uh, oval part of Charlotte, and and cars just trying to avoid the puddle. And then even on the last lap, it wasn't even completely over because it seemed like A.J. Allmendinger had a, a very large lead. And then uh, Noah Gregson almost made it up coming to the line. And, and uh, you know, if A.J. wasn't a little bit careful, maybe maybe yeah, uh, he doesn't win this race and, yeah. and Noah ends up finishing first. But um, a lot of interesting things played out in that race and, and um, you know, hated for, for guys like, Harrison Burton, who was on the outside looking in and then had transmission issues and wasn't able to um, get refired and and get back into the race and um, ended up not making it in. And other guys that um, probably had an outside shot like Brandon Brown to make it into the next race, but then end up getting crashed. Uh, so it was... Uh, I think all the guys that missed missed the or that I thought would miss the round or the next round ended up not making it in. Um, so for for those guys, uh, uh, tough end of their season. But top eight series uh, in the top eight drivers in this series, uh, they're able to uh, move on and continue to contend for the championship. A little bit disappointing for Austin Cindric too. Uh, he didn't lead any laps and kind of kind of a lackluster run for him. But then again, maybe didn't really have a whole lot to go run for and just just had to make sure he didn't take himself out in that race because obviously he's, uh, his performance this year has built up a large point advantage to the same thing for uh, Chase Briscoe there. But how about uh, Daniel Hemrick finishing third? Finally, kind of a good result for him. He's had a lot of terrible luck this year in the uh, all-star car in the number eight car for junior motorsports and uh He's had a lot of crashes or parts failures and whatever, and finally got a, a third place finish. So a uh, good result for him there. But uh, it was, I mean, it was still an entertaining race even with all the rain and everything that happened. But um, again, uh, it, it's a it's a um, product of NASCAR um, favoring entertainment over uh, integrity, and and also the drivers have to be held accountable as well because a lot of them lack the respect and the skill to. Um, really uh put on a respectable show 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have respect for Wayne Auten. He's probably the one guy they have amongst all the whatever directors that they have at NASCAR. But they should have never run that race. And they were putting not only the drivers in danger, but they're putting the people that are working the race itself in danger. They're putting the pit crew members in danger because the whole entire pit road was basically underwater. Uh, People said, I don't know, there were people that were saying it was a great race. There was nothing great about that deal. Um, I'll, I'll be completely frank. If Chase had won that race, I would have been able to deal with it. He drowned his car, spun it out, trying to go and beat AJ Adderall-Mendinger. And that was why, I i mean, that's one main reason why. I'll be completely honest about it. Uh, I don't know why uh, he didn't take the high line. Because the way water was draining, or lack thereof, there was no lights in the infield, so you couldn't even see anything. You needed to do whatever you could to get the best run so you can just kind of get through the infield. Once you get back on the on the oval, the 98 car was better than the 16 car. Uh, it's I, I, I look at it as, you know, he has eight wins, probably should have 12, but... You know, and maybe he, he'll be in a cup car. You know, you talked about Austin Sindrick. Austin Sindrick got announced as the driver of the Wood Brothers 21 car in 22. He'll be driving limited races in 21 within that whole Penske Wood Brothers conglomeration. So I wonder what number they'll be running. It'll be interesting. Kind of hoping it's either... I, I, I said it on one of them posts. I hope it's either like number 16, which was a Penske number with Krusty Wallace back in the day, or they run 28, mainly because I love the number 28. It goes all the way back to the, the Texaco Avalon Ford. Uh, it might actually make me like Austin Sindrick. Um, that'll be interesting. Uh, the 14 car, of course, we'll talk about uh, Clint Boyer uh, called it quits. He's going to call it quits here in four races for full-time cup racing. And he will be a Fox announcer to be the carnival barker to make uh, the booth interesting. And he's getting paid a lot of money to do that. I'm sure he's going to be able to do side hustles. Um, drink a lot of beer, drive a lot of dirt races, and drive some Xfinity and trucks. That'll be interesting. He gets in a truck. That would probably be better. He'd be better announcer driving in a truck than the loser crew they have calling truck races. Uh, but the 14 cars open. I wonder if he quit because he knew he knew he knew he was out or. He, which I think he was out anyway, or he quit because he wanted to help his buddy Kyle Larson have another option. Um, that's something to be said, but we'll talk about that then in a moment. Uh, frankly, you know, AJ Allmendinger, he may be running full time next year in the Xfinity series because, uh, you know, you, you talk about. 
uh, college racing, their prospects where they're going to be. Um, you talk about Justin Haley, whether he's going to move up or not. He may move up. He may not. Spire may have something to say about that. Um, Doug Stringer, his uncle, or whatever, or no, Todd Braun, whatever. If he had, he's got a connection to both of them. Uh, you got, yeah, that may have something to play into that with some of the rides that are open. So Chase Briscoe goes into round two of the playoff with a 10-point lead. Uh, he has 10 stage wins, same as Sindrick. Of course, Allgaier is the most with 12, and, but he only he has a 17-point gap to uh, Sindrick and 27 to Chase Briscoe. And then basically that's those three guys, as long as they don't have catastrophic situations in this next this round those are the three best cars in the series and drivers they ought to make it to phoenix to decide this deal i think it'd be criminal especially if neither if one or both of chase briscoe and austin Cindric don't get to decide this championship at phoenix here in four weeks time but after that you have a tight battle between gregson and uh ryan sieg uh, who got in backed into the second round he is 23 points out so you never know cowboy starlin great crew chief may call some strategy try to win a stage get some stage points put themselves in a position um, I don't think it's going to be enough to get them to the final four, of course, but you have to look at Ross Jastain. He hasn't won a race. Every single driver in front of him has won at least two races and, or more in, in outside of Gregson, three races. You have to get to a point where is Ross Jastain going to win? I mean, of course he doesn't have to worry about it. He has a job next year, but. Um, when is he going to win a race? When is he going to go and put himself in position? Can he go out there and, and win at Texas or Kansas or Texas here uh, coming up? We'll, we'll talk about that here uh, shortly in the uh, uh, preview portion of the GSP. We will uh, transition uh, into silly season. Talked about Clint Boyer. He's retiring. Uh, Matty Benedetto got announced as the driver of the 21 car um, for next year, but he isn't going to have that ride in 22. Uh, maybe De Benedetto might be going to Team Penske proper. Maybe he has no job at all. But he knows right now in October of 20 that he has all this time. He has 13, whatever. He has three and he has 15 months to figure out where he's going to go in 2022. Um, Sindrick knows he has a cup ride for 21 and 22. 
We don't know what's going to happen with Chase Briscoe, if he's going to get the uh, 14 ride, which would make me very happy and is probably what should happen. Um, There's a whole lot going on with the NASCAR silly season. Uh, Daniel Suarez announced that he's going to be driving for Justin Marks with an RCR affiliation, which is basically taking over the uh, Germain situation there. He bought the Germain charter uh Justin Marks and they're gonna have their team uh I guess Josh will go into that I'll let you go and riff uh, not only on NASCAR but whatever else that you've been able to uh gather in the different uh spots that you're able to get into with our social media uh connections yeah, so I mean, starting off with NASCAR, I mean, I think the the 14 car probably will be. I mean, this is my speculation, you know, without really uh, looking out there. But I think Chase Chase Briscoe probably will take over the 14 car, in my opinion. And I think they're probably just trying to line up sponsorship for him for next year. And once once they can get all that arranged, you'll probably see some kind of announcement here within probably by the end of the season, I would assume. Uh, so probably somewhere next month or maybe by the end of November at some point. But for uh, Clint Boyer, like, I think that the picture of him exasperated and out of out of energy and, and completely exhausted on Sunday, I think that's the epitome of his career for him. And, uh, you know, it's good good opportunity for him to get into the broadcast booth. And then, of course, other things that are going around, like uh, who's – uh, who, who could be in, in the Xfinity Series next year. And I think, like we talked about, I think A.J. Allmendinger is making a real good case for him to uh, return to NASCAR full-time, and that being the Xfinity Series with, with uh, the colleague team should be a good opportunity if they can get uh, sponsorship lined up for him, which I, I think would be certainly a viable uh, ride for him to be in if they can get the funding. But, uh, you know, other, other news that we've talked about is um, – or that we need to talk about is uh, stuff that's happening on the IndyCar side uh, with uh, drivers being released out of nowhere, like Oliver Askew, who uh, had solid results at the beginning of the season uh, up until the Indianapolis 500, and then he gets in a crash, and then uh, he has to keep racing because uh, for some reason, I guess he's afraid of being uh, fired from his ride or, or whatever, being released, and and uh, so he continues his race until he's physically unable to, until he, then he takes a break, and then uh, we see uh, he get replaced by potentially Helio Castroneves uh, for next couple of races and maybe even for next year if they find a person. But, well, actually they did, and we'll bring that up in a second. But uh, I, I don't really like the optics of that situation just because, like, for whatever reason, just releasing a guy like that for no reason – there, I mean, there obviously is a, a uh, disagreement with uh, his agent from Spire and um, the Aero, the Spam, uh, Aero McLaren team there, and, and uh, but I, I just don't like the optics of how that played out and how a young driver, you know, with a lot of potential is just suddenly out of a ride like that. But uh, then again, now with uh, the connection that Rosenquist, Felix Rosenquist has to uh, Husky Chocolate there, 
and and now he's going to be able to uh, race with McLaren there, who has connections to uh, that company, and and they'll probably have funding from that along with Arrow, and and then also that opens the door for Jamie Johnson to uh, step into the number ten car and compete on the road courses, and then potentially have somebody like Tony Kanon. Uh, race and on the ovals and and uh finish out the oval part of his career uh potentially with fans next year so that'll be interesting to see what kind of uh dynamic they can get in uh exactly who their sponsorship uh will come from for uh that number 10 car which is likely that will probably happen although it has been announced uh which car he'll be driving it's probably what will happen but uh in uh don't know what other news i mean obviously i think the other thing in the cup series uh, going back to that is uh the kyle larson situation and exactly who's gonna uh or when he's gonna make that announcement i think you know one thing you have to consider that maybe people haven't looked at is like like who's gonna sponsor him and he talked to one of the people that he mentioned in his essay that he released last week uh is uh the CEO of the chemical company that's the parent of the Lumar window films sponsor currently on the number 88 car for uh, Alex Bowman there. And I think the connection that he made there with uh, that CEO, I think they'll help parlay that into some kind of uh, sponsorship, whether that's full time or an expanded uh uh, schedule for that current I think it's like a couple of races there maybe they expand to a half schedule or a quarter of the races uh, for for that car for next year but um, that's going to probably be the angle that that helps him get a ride uh, and secure uh, a ride and sponsorship for the what what's the 88 car right now at Hendrick maybe the 57 or the 5 or the 25 so I think I think that's probably what will play out for for Larson and and uh, we'll see we'll see how some of these other rides play out, and wonder wonder what happens to somebody like uh, Larson, and, and um, what kind of results he can get next year um, with with uh, that team. But it should be interesting to see kind of how all this stuff plays out, and and um, I'm curious to see uh, how some of these other rides and in, in IndyCar who who ends up getting a seat if. Uh, Oliver Askew can find a way to get a ride for next year, uh, which I think he deserves to have a ride, and it's unfair for him how this all played out. Yeah, that's it's a typical Sam Schmidt. You know, he plays his card based on uh, the unfortunate situation that he was put into because of Tony George and the great Brian Barnard and the terrible rules that they had for the toilets that they had to drive. Um, he's screwed over drivers for years. He screwed over James Hinchcliffe last year to get O'Ward and Askew into the cars. If he had a chance, he'd screw over Robbie Wickens, but he needs Robbie because he's a good, he's a really elite mental, like he's really good mentally and he's great in terms of coaching and no matter what happens, if Robbie can walk and and do whatever, like he can go and function enough to go and drive a car again. The fact of the matter is Robbie Wickens is an elite talent in terms of being able to work with drivers. And that has been a big part of why Pat Award has made 
a step forward along with his already God-given talent that he had to be a top five IndyCar driver here, basically in his first full year as an IndyCar driver. Um, The fact that Spam hasn't extended him out multiple years is a joke. Um, It's in his favor because if Penske wants to go and because Will Powers passed 40 and he's a douche. You have Simon Pagino, he's pushing 40. If I'm Penske or if I'm Ganassi or if I'm even, I mean, it's probably not going to Andretti because Andretti fucked him over. But if I'm Penske or Ganassi, I'm looking at Pat O'Ward going into 2022 knowing that the new formula isn't out there for a couple of years, whatever, um, Pat Award should be in Formula One, but he doesn't have the money, doesn't have the backing, whatever. Kid can drive. He could drive a radio flyer and, and, and do work. Um, Spam has him, and they're going to fuck it up because Sam Schmidt does that anyway. You can ask R.C. Enerson and James Hinchcliffe about that. Um, so what is it? Felix Rosenquist decided to leave uh, Ganassi, because I guess Ganassi doesn't have the situation to fund four cars. And I think Rosenquist was going to get hung out. Uh, the Husky chocolate deal is going to stick with Ericsson. Uh, so they're going to have two full-time cars for the, the driver's championship. And then they're going to have a third car for the owners, which will be the 10, as Josh mentioned, for Jimmy Johnson and Tony Kanaan. For all intents and purposes, it's going to be Jimmy Johnson and Tony Kanaan. I figure it'll be an NTT data car. If not an NTT data card, it'll come up with stuff. The two of them, you have Big Machine Vodka with Tony Kanaan. You know, Jimmy Johnson's got a lot of connections. He'll be able to get sponsors. Um, there's there's things that turn around. Andretti Autosport doesn't have their old setup uh, situated yet. You know, there's other cars, other drivers that might be in play. Um, Oliver Askew getting hung out to dry plays into uh, Ray Hall going and possibly going and uh, being able to go and uh, get him in there. You know, maybe they can connect him and Spencer Piggott, you know, kind of play those, play that into a full-time ride. And, uh, you know, knowing that Takuma Sato is way past 40 and you know he's won two indy 500s what the hell is he really gonna do after this it might be an option to go and connect make a three-car team with uh green rehaul and uh two other elite american talents uh that might be an option i think ed carpenter is also uh, in play for um oliver askew knowing that Ed doesn't seem to want to retire. Um, he needs to run two full-time cars with Connor Daly and, and uh, Renus VK, and they can run a third car, which in turn could help Oliver Askew um, continue 
running strictly road courses, uh, that would be an option. And that's something that we'll find out because uh, there's a couple weeks out till St. Pete. And then there's going to be a few months until St. Pete again in the uh, 2021 season opener for the IndyCar series. I will uh, switch over to the GSP roundup here in uh, the uh, IMSA GT. They had the GTLM and GTD ran at the Roval um, on Saturday night in a cluster just like the Xfinity series, but the cars are capable of driving through it. Jordan Taylor, Antonio Garcia continue to uh, dominate with the Corvette racing team. Uh, they're going to be them and BMW. Or that's all there's going to be left uh, in 2021. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. Uh, they are... Um, that's what they're doing. They're going to be going to Petit Le Mans here coming up. And then there's still two more races to go. There's going to be Laguna Seca and then Sebring for the 12 hours of Sebring. So the Petit Le Mans isn't the end of the year. Now, Jordan Taylor, Antonio Garcia will be, um, they are running right now in the, um, going in the points, going in the points. Jordan Taylor, Antonio Garcia lead by 24 points over Oliver Gavin and Tommy Milner. So Corvettes are guaranteed there. Bruno Spengler and Connor D. Filippi, which um, finished third on Saturday night. They are 27 points behind. And then. You have John Edwards and Jesse Crone, which finished second on Saturday. They are seventh and eighth in the championship. The Porsches are behind that. So 24, 27, 30 points. So there's a good battle between those three teams. And then you have the other drivers that filled in for the longer Enduros and Etc. Etc. On GTD, you have um, you have Robbie Foley and Bill Oberlin in the Turner Motorsport BMW M6. Bill Oberlin, the all-time winner in IMSA, uh, gets another win. Um, they are 17 points out of the championship lead. They're behind the combination of Patrick Long and Ryan Hardwick. And uh, there are five points behind that. Jack Hawksworth is two points behind Aaron Tielitz, who is uh, likely, I mean, of course, there's still three races to go, so you can't really completely guarantee it. But uh, Aaron Tielitz is in a good position to um, get this championship, of course, he didn't have a great run. Him and Hawksworth uh, ended up finishing. They finished eighth on Saturday night, so they had an off night. But they are in play 
with three races to go going into Petit Le Mans here this weekend. We'll transition to the DTM at Zolder, the first of two races in two weeks. Rene Rast, Robin Freins, Nico Muller, the top three Audi sweep in the first race. And then in the second race, same thing. Running Rast, Robin, or Timo Glock, Sheldon Vanderlinde, Rene Rast, in, uh, or that but I get for Rast, Mike Rockefeller, and then Lucas Auer and a BMW get the uh, top three, and Timo Glock finished fourth. So BMWs and Audis split or the top four in terms of the standings. They're going to Zolder again next week. Nico Muller, or this weekend, Nico Muller and Rene Rast are separated by 10 points. Robin Freins is 16 points out in third. So a three-horse race for this driver's championship here in 2020 in the DTM between uh, those, uh, between Rast, Muller, Freins is... uh, Rasmuller and then Ron Frines. Yeah, and he, he fell out of the race on uh, Sunday there. So three Audis all battling. So an Audi's going to win the championship there. There's still six races to go in the championship uh, here. They'll run at Zolder and then they'll be running at Nürburgring uh, in early November. We'll go to the MotoGP. Uh, World Championship and the French Grand Prix. Danilo Petrucci, as I mentioned at the beginning, won in a rain race at uh, the Bugatti circuit at Le Mans. Beats Alex Marquez, who gets his maiden podium finish in MotoGP on the Repsol Honda. In a year where Honda has been complete trash, Uh, He commented about how the podium didn't mean anything. So whatever, but it's still a podium. Paul Espargaro gets third for Red Bull KTM. Davizioso, Zarco, top five for Ducati. KTM, Miguel Oliveira, who won at uh, Red Bull Ring, finished sixth. Taka Nakagami finished seventh for Honda. And Stefan Brattle, eighth. Fabio Quattararo for Yamaha, ninth, and Maverick Vinales, 10th, Joanne Mir, 11th, and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. In terms of the standings after the race on Sunday, uh, Fabio Quattararo has a 10-point lead on Joanne Mir, who hasn't won a race this year, but he has three second places and a third, a fourth, and a fifth. And he's 10 points beyond Quattuaro, who has three wins and a fourth. And then otherwise, nothing, uh, somewhat nondescript. Uh, Davizioso is third. He's 18 points back. Maverick Vinal is 19 points back. That's where the championship is. Takanakagami on a Honda that 
is literally built for Mark Marquez and nobody else is fifth in the world championship. So credit to him. Uh, he's a good rider. Hopefully he'll be able to get time and an opportunity uh, to go and continue there. Uh, in terms of Moto2, the uh, race at uh, Le Mans saw Sam Lowe's win and Remy Gardner finish second. Remy Gardner, uh, the son of, um, I'm forgetting, the world champion there, Wayne Gardner, the son of Wayne Gardner, the former world champion in 500cc uh, Grand Prix. Uh, he finished second, uh, best result by far. He had a third place finish um, back a few races ago, but otherwise hasn't done anything this year. Uh, Joe Roberts finished sixth and has gotten into eighth in points. So um, if you want to watch, there's still a bunch of Grand Prix to go. There's still five races to go this year. So Joe Roberts has an opportunity. He's only six points out of sixth. And Tetsuya Nakajima, he's 13 points out of fifth. He's probably, that's the best that uh, he'll be able to do. Jorge Martin hasn't scored in four rounds. So it's attainable for Joe Roberts as he goes and leads towards trying to have a 2021 ride, whether it's in MotoGP, more than likely it'll be in Moto2. Uh, Hopefully he'll be able to do that as they go to uh, Aragon this weekend for the first of two races there. And then they'll be running Valencia twice and finishing at the Algarve uh, circuit where Formula One will be racing next week. We will, um, from that, we'll go to uh, Croft for the British Touring Car Championship. And the uh, winners were Josh Cook twice for the BTC Racing Team and Tom Ingram for Toyota. And uh, in terms of the points standings, going into uh, the next round at Snetterton, You have Ash Sutton in the points lead by seven over Dan Kamish and defending series champion Colin Turkington in third. So really the battle is between those three drivers. There is 12 points between the three of them. Kamish was one. uh, He won rounds uh, in He's won rounds previously at Silverstone and Thruxton. He he won uh, Silverstone and Thruxton. And then, yeah. And then you had uh, Ash Sutton, who, who won two rounds at Silverstone. He won at uh, two rounds at Knock Hill. Won at Olton Park. And then he swept 
the fastest lap at Donington, uh, but he also won. He won two rounds at Knock Hill, and he won uh, one round at Alton Park, and then he also won at Donington. So it's going to be a good battle here in the last six rounds of the British Touring Car Championship coming up at Snetterton and Brands Hatch Indy Circuit. With that, I'll uh, kick back to Josh. I know he's had a couple minutes to take a break. Uh, Bathurst 1000 time. It's one of the biggest races in the world. It's Australia's biggest uh, car race. Uh, I guess I'll, uh, in the before we get more in deep dive, you're favorite memories, favorite thoughts. What do you think of Bathurst as a track, knowing that you're a sim guy? Um, just kind of go and talk about Bathurst. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I mean, I'll just talk about the, the sim perspective, I guess. Like, I haven't played the track or raced the track yet, driven it on iRacing yet. Uh, I have to purchase it and use the downloadable content from that but i have played it in other games um there's a mobile game called real racing 3 which um i've played on that before it's a fun game uh if you want to get into some racing on your phone um it's it's pretty good game but bathurst yeah yeah, it's a it's a pay-to-play app but like uh bathurst though it's very very uh technical track um and it's uh it's pretty fun like you know you start out the the straightaway and then Basically, like you go to, hell to corner. yeah, hell corner. Well, you got a ninety degree uh, right or left turn actually, and then you go all the way down uh, the uh, the straight, like, and then you're basically like going up the hill, and then um, well, you know it's just a lot of a lot of twists and turns, and got to make decisions like where where to go flat out uh, versus uh, you know take care take care of the car, and then. Like, basically, like, you know, once you maneuver through the hill and, like, go through the mountains and everything, like, um, it, it, you know, like, you got to, like, make sure, like, you keep up the, you know, your momentum and and uh, without without uh, messing up the corner because it's, it's very easy to mess up and, and uh, hit the wall in, in any of those, any of those corners and, and uh, once... Once you like, once you get out of that, and, and then you get like down onto the long straight, uh, it it's uh, well, hold on, I'll, I'll bring up the map here. Yeah. Of the, of the track, yeah, that's yeah, probably I'll better. Yeah, take it over here. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I mean, when when you're thinking about Bathurst and you're thinking about the history, you talk about Greg Murphy, uh, the. the when when he when he had the lap of the gods, that yeah. was an epic uh, epic lap. When you think about current day uh, V8 supercars action, he was shifting gears in the Kmart Holden, and he went and put up a 206, and that was like it blew up everything. Uh, it took you know, a sequential gearbox car and all the kind of things that came along for Scotty to go and do what he did. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to convert it to a victory, but he did convert it 
to a victory here last year, albeit in, in controversial fashion. But at the end of the day, it's the same way that the Nissan Skyline won in controversial fashion. They were bo- they were booing them, and uh, I, I think Jim Richards went and cursed out the whole entire crowd and told them to go f themselves. And when they won with the Skyline, him and Mark Scaife. Back in '92, uh, you you t- you think about Hell Corner. I mean, here's the thing: you want to go and watch something that is hilarious and gives Daryl Waltrip. Yeah, the Daryl Waltrip thing. He was calling Murray's Corner Hell Corner. He was screaming like a little bitch. Uh, that's that tells you there. You want to watch the comparison of what a professional announcer who loves racing and a carnival barker who was a legendary driver, but can't deal with being in the passenger seat. You, you have to watch the video of Daryl with Jason Bright. And then you have to watch Murray Walker. If it's still out there, Murray Walker with, um, um, what's his name? Um, Brad Jones in a two liter Audi, um, a four touring car in the touring car Bathurst 1000 driving around, uh, the circuit, you know, and you, you think about driving up hell corner down, up the mountain straight going through the cutting. And then you have Griffins in the Reed park. And then you have the drop, you have that little drop down over there into McPhillamy, which leads into Skyline and what amounts to what Daryl was calling, what Daryl called the uh, corkscrew, but it was just the yeah, S's. The dipper. Yeah, the S is going into the dipper and force elbow where um, Dick Johnson went and rode his car off. Um Dick Johnson, of course, the rock, it's, uh, I think it's, what is it? 40 years or whatever since Dick Johnson hit the rock, uh, up in, uh, Griffin's Mount over in that area. So it's a big, uh, big moment since Scotty McLaughlin is probably coming to IndyCar. Um, he will be running the finale this a year here in a couple of weeks for Penske and probably moving to IndyCar. And then Penske's probably going to disconnect from the V8 Supercar Championship and Dick Johnson Racing. So it'll be uh, transitional, as I said. Um, uh, Scotty McLaughlin should be a four-time V8 Supercars champion. He'll end up being a three-time Supercars champion. Um, and he should probably have at least two uh, Bathurst 1000s. He has one. He has a possibility of two here coming up next week. It's a beautiful track. Uh, the challenge is unbelievable. And it's so tight in certain sections and in, yeah, in other sections. Corner. Yeah, you're, you're, when, you, when you have to go and make that – when you're driving up, mountain straight to to the quarry corner you have to wash out you have the the understeer going into turn two and then you have to go and get out of that and get into the cutting 
and the cutting is so tight because literally it opens, everything's open and everything tightens up into the cutting and it goes and leads into the, basically the snake, which is Griffin's Mount, Reed Park, Frog Hollow, Sulman Park, Hicksman Vista and McPhillamy. And then you have Skyline and the S's, which is epic. And you're just basically holding on um, before you get to the Dipper and Forest Elbow. Um, Conrad Strait, which used to be much longer, the same way as Lamar had a three-mile straightaway before they put in two chicanes. Um, The chase was made uh, for safety for FIA purposes and um, which has allowed a lot of passing and a lot of big wrecks and then uh, Murray's corner. It's yeah. going to be interesting to see. So 60 strong and eight pre-marked and 52 tires. So the practice going. Yeah. And they're allowing fueling for the first time since May or since February. Yeah, so that that will definitely be uh, a key. There's going to be something, you know, I guess everything is to play for because it is the biggest race of the year. Same way as the Rolex 24 is the biggest race of IMSA. You're going to go and throw everything at this deal. Um, I mean, we, for all intents and purposes, Penske's throwing everything at this to get a win. Uh, people want to question what they did last year to get that win. Um, Fabian Coulthard's looking for a ride. Scotty McLaughlin's going to move to the States with his American wife. Uh, DJR's trying to get themselves set up to run next year. You have Red Bull, who, after the way everything went this year, they want to go and say, hey, we are the the team to beat, even though Holden's not going to exist in in terms of being a manufacturer. So there's a whole lot of things going on. Um, It's a a Bathurst 1000, unlike any one that they've ever had in the history of this race. And they'll be running... Uh, pink tires for breast cancer awareness as well. Um, so that'll be cool. Uh, and that'll be great for all the people that have, um, you know, suffered and have unfortunately lost their life because of breast cancer. Um, that'll be something to see here next week um, or this weekend for the great race. And we will talk about what happened in the great race on uh, the GSP Petit Le Mans, which is basically the third biggest race uh, in sports car racing in America, 10 hours, thousand kilometer or thousand kilometers, whichever comes first. Um, They had, they've had races at road Atlanta. So there's plenty of R and D and, uh, tech to go with it'll be interesting to see cadillac has the points in the lmp they've had a few weeks and there's been a lot of transition uh jdc miller has been replacing drivers of course jao barbosa is out 
at uh, JDC Miller for um, Tristan Vautier and two French guys, him and uh, Sebastian Bourdais will be in the lead car. Yeah, the Pippo Durrani and um, uh, the, the, what do you call, the wheel and engineering Cadillac. You have the Konica Minolta car, a Renger Van de Zanda and Ryan Briscoe. Uh, there's, of course, transition going on there with Honda coming in, with Ricky Taylor going back there. Um, it'll be a competitive uh, Petit Le Mans, I would think, with the prototype battle. GTLM is going to be basically Chevy versus BMW, because that's what it's going to be next year. GTD is going to go right down to the line. Because there's so many competitive teams, you can't really call that LMP2, whatever. Um, NHRA, they'll be running Texas Motorsplex. Uh, DSR is going to have Funny Car for sure. Who's going to win in Funny Cars to be determined, whether it's Caps, whether it's Tommy Johnson Jr. or Jack Beckman. Points are pretty close in terms of the uh the nhra especially in top fuel um they have uh what is it steve torrance and doug coletta are only two points uh separating those two guys with a couple races to go here uh leah pruitt who's um taking tony stewart is four rounds behind and that's really what it is in the top fuel situation in funny car there's 34 points between matt hagan jack beckman tommy johnson jr so less than two rounds separating the three dsr teammates uh ron caps is giving up a lot of space so he's gonna be in fourth uh no matter what uh, Wilkerson, Todd, and Tasca, it's um, 15 points, so less than one round. That'll be interesting to see what goes on there. In pro stock is less than two rounds between Line, Enders, and Coughlin. Uh, Line and Coughlin Jr., Jed Coughlin Jr., are going to be retiring at the end of the year. Eric Enders, for all her obvious malfunctions, has a chance of getting another world championship there in pro stock. And then in pro stock award cycle, you have Matt Smith trying to get another championship over his teammate, Scotty Polachek and Andrew Hines. So less than two rounds between those three. Four and a half rounds between Matt Smith and Angel Sampay, who won at Indianapolis earlier in the summer. And that's basically where it is in the NHRA. We will see what happens um, going into uh, next year. Um, Zolder, in terms of DTM, it's... The usual suspects of that, you get Mike Rockefeller, you know, going into that, you know, any rest, you have Robin Frines, 
and then you have um, Nico Muller. That's where this whole thing is going to be in terms of standings. We'll see what happens with the races that happen uh, this weekend at Zolder for the DTM. Um, when you consider the points, Nico Muller, 10 points ahead of Rennie Rast. And 60 points ahead of Robin Freund going into this next round. And you'll have World Superbike running at Estoril, one of my favorite circuits in the world. Uh, and they'll be running at the Estoril circuit. Uh, and in terms of the points right now, Garrett Gerloff is 11th in points, the American for the Yamaha Junior team. He is 13 points out of the top 10 and 21 points out of 9th. Alvaro Bautista is 9th. Going into the uh, next round of the championship, Chris, uh, looks like two races at uh, Aragon. And you go like that, Pirelli Estoril around us, oh, or not Estoril, Aragon Estoril. So that'll, that'll be cool um, to watch uh, the Estoril circuit, even if it's motorcycles there. And um, yeah, Moto GP and Moto 2 will be at the will be at Aragon, sorry, that'll be at Aragon. And uh, I talked about the standings. We'll see if uh, Valentino Rossi can pull one out. But it's going to be a close, it's a close battle there for the world championship between Quattro and Mir. Can one of those two go and set the tone leading into this last part of the season? and uh, take advantage and get some points. That'll be the question there. Along with Joe Roberts, can he go and continue to make that progress that he needs to eventually, hopefully, get to uh, MotoGP? With that, we will uh, transition into the preview for the NASCAR races, and uh, Josh, I'll throw to you. Um, first, we'll uh, talk about the truck series, and then we'll lead up to Xfinity and Cup. The Clean Harbors 200 truck series race, um, noted uh, dumbass and uh, swallower Haley Deegan will make her truck series debut. You'll have David Gravel. Uh, former Knoxville Nationals champion, running a truck as well. We will, uh, Timothy Peters will be filling in for Stuart Friesen because he's running for more money than he would win in a truck race in a 358 crate, uh, 358 late model. And uh, there's that. So 
Uh, Zane Smith, of course, also announced that he's going to be coming back next year. So he has a free ride. Um, what do you look for? Who do you look for to go and win? And outside of, I guess, the playoff, who do you look at as the best chance outside of the playoff to go and win this race? I think for for me, like for this race, I'd probably have to look at somebody like Sheldon Creed um, for the playoff drivers. Maybe Austin Hill. I think I think those guys showed a, a lot of. Uh, pace uh, a lot of uh consistency on the mile and a half tracks this season so i think they'll be contenders for uh the victory at least uh if you're only looking at the playoff drivers in the truck series but i think somebody maybe that we don't consider and obviously he just got eliminated from uh playoff contention is uh christian eckes and he finished second back in uh july in uh the one of the races at kansas uh, this year, and uh, he, he could possibly play the role of uh, spoiler going into uh, this uh, race that starts the final round for, or the next to last round for the, the truck series, and potentially could take a win away from a playoff contending driver that might need a win. You, know, you talk about people who in the truck series that might need a win, and and you know. You, Matt Crafton, who's won it, he broke his winless streak at Kansas earlier this season, and he's in seventh place in the championship. You know, he definitely needs a win to uh, continue his uh, chance of getting a title at Phoenix later this year, which is only uh, three or four weeks away now. And and if uh, he doesn't win the race and somebody like Christian Eckes gets uh, uh, the victory over him, and then he doesn't do well at Texas and at Martinsville, then obviously that is a missed opportunity, and and he's you know not going to like that uh, playoff or non-playoff contending driver ended up taking that race. So I think somebody like and actually I'll throw in uh, Matt Crafton also as somebody to look out for to um, and playoff driver. But I think those three drivers and then Christian Eckes, I think uh, all all those guys are solid picks for the Truck Series race this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll go with Austin Hill, um, not because I like him, but because things are trending in his favor. Um, cookie cutters kind of fit the Hattori team. He's proven that he can go and win, even when he doesn't have track position. I think uh, Austin Hill is a favorite for sure. Uh, going in a Saturday afternoon's race there to go and lock himself in to an opportunity to possibly win a championship at uh, Phoenix. I also look at, um, I, it was a good, good pick credit, you know, going thinking about Christian Eckes there. Uh, he's been on the cusp of winning a race, so you have to wonder when that's going to happen. Now, the point about Thor Sport and showing up in this spot, I think they will. Um, but I do believe that uh, it'll be um, it'll be a Jade, what is it, uh, uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports vehicle in victory lane, whether it's Lassard, whether it's Christian Eckes or Chandler Smith or whatever, I think. There's going to be a a Kyle Busch Motorsports vehicle in victory lane, 
and it's going to be a spoiler for the truck series. Um, in terms of the Xfinity series, the Kansas Lottery 300, uh, same question, Josh, in terms of who do you look at as a winner and who do you look at relative to, you'll say, like long runs or short runs? Well, I think for this race, uh, I'm going to go with Austin Sindrick in this race. He was very close to winning uh, back in July at Kansas and just uh, couldn't execute the the plan at the end and uh, got into the wall a little bit and then ended up losing to Brandon Jones. So I think, and, and he did lead the most laps also. So I think uh, he could win this race if uh, they can have a solid strategy and stay out up in front. But then, then I do also want to pivot to uh, Brandon Jones as somebody who could potentially steal uh, this race and, and steal a spot in the final four for the, uh, for the Xfinity series. And, and he did win this race back in July and certainly cannot count him out because uh, he's one of those, uh, even though he doesn't really have like a, a solid record as far as consistency and laps led and, and generally where he runs relative to the rest of these playoff contenders, he's more a uh, back marker and uh, compared to Austin Sindrick, but certainly he's somebody who can sneak up on you and, and take a, a race victory. So somebody that he could um, potentially win this race. And even, even somebody like Harrison Burton, who is very close to winning this race back in Kansas in, in July. And, and even though he's no longer in the playoffs, then maybe um, a similar situation to like what I just said with Christian Eckes in the truck series, maybe he steals a win on Saturday in the Xfinity race and, causes a lot of chaos for playoff drivers, especially uh, guys that need a, a win to continue their run, like Ryan Sieg or um, or Ross Chastain, who both of those guys struggled throughout the season to get a win. Obviously, Ryan Sieg is probably unlikely to win, but has put together a solid run so far in uh, this uh, championship playoff uh, series that we've had, and, and Ross Chastain has been noted Although he's contended in a lot of these tracks so far this year, a lot of these races, he just hasn't closed on a win. And he um, needs a win very badly, and, and this would be a very good opportunity for him to win. But if somebody like Harrison Burton is able to close the deal, unlike what he did in July, then um, that takes away an opportunity for him and certainly uh, makes it a lot harder for him to go out and win a race uh, at uh, Martinsville or at Texas, which um, he would have to win there. But I think Sindrick, obviously, look at as a strong favorite and then can't count up Brandon Jones as well. And then uh, probably a dark horse is uh, Harrison Burton. Yeah, so we'll we'll see about what happens here in the Kansas Lottery 300. I think it'll be you picked Sindrick, I'll pick Briscoe uh, for for uh, something to discuss. Um, and he had this race one last year, Briscoe, uh, when he was a uh, rookie, and Garrett Smithley didn't listen to his spotter and caused a wreck, which cost Briscoe not only on that Saturday afternoon, but it cost him a chance to be in the Final Four. So I figure that... Uh, 
being ready, being prepared. It's a great example of that here in uh, 2020 and what happens and who it happens to also is a part of 2020 in general. The Hollywood Casino 400 is uh, the last race we'll talk about here on this episode of the GSP. Uh, who do you look for to win, Josh? And who do you look for out of the playoffs? Yeah, I think for the Cup Series race here on Sunday, uh, I'd look for, uh, I'm going to say Brad Keselowski. And I, I think he had a strong chance to win back in in July and ended up not winning. He did win the Kansas uh, spring race in 2019 uh, and has been very solid with uh, this package. And I, I think think this is an opportunity for him to make a statement, kind of like what he did earlier in the playoffs and making a statement and um, being able to go out and, and win uh, early and secure his uh, spot for the final four in the cup series. And this is certainly a, a race where he could go and do that. And you know, he, he won one at Richmond earlier in the year, first playoff or second playoff race. But uh, now, now the opportunity is there for him to, go and, and win this race at Kansas and, and secure a spot in the Final Four and, and win that elusive uh, second title for, for him. That would help him greatly. And then I think I think a guy that you have to look out for in uh, who's not a playoff driver is uh, Eric Jones. And he's been the out of the non-playoff drivers and including the ones that have been eliminated, he's been the best driver out basically out of that group and has had a lot of uh, good finishes uh, this year and or in the last couple of weeks, last month and a half, and finished you know fourth at Darlington, third at Bristol, and then eighth at Las Vegas, and and second and third Talladega and at Charlotte. And while all those tracks are different, um, he's had a lot of a lot of uh, positive results lately, and I think he can carry that into Kansas. And he f- did finish fifth in this race uh, back in July, also. So can't count him out, and has been kind of on a roll basically since he realized he was going to have a job next year, and and hopefully he can part parlay uh, these last couple of races into uh, a job for next year. And and I mean you can also uh, include Kyle Busch, but obviously we don't think he has the the pace, but certainly just he does have the history. So. Um, you know, it could happen, but uh, I would probably favor Eric Jones as a, a favorite for the non-playoff drivers. Yep. So that will be the um, Hollywood Casino 400. Uh, to me, it starts and ends with the 11 and the 4. Uh, take your pick. I picked Harvick last night on Talking in Circles. I feel like... Harvick's going to be able to show up and do what he usually does best, um, take advantage of the situation and go and make the most of it. So we will see on that. Um, talk about it next week. Josh, uh, do you have anything going out? Um, so, you know, we've talked about sim racing, and, and that's been a theme that we've brought up a little bit on this podcast. And, and next month is the Open Wheels 500 
uh, which we had our our friend uh, Tanner Watkins talk about, and and I officially did make my entry into the race last week and got the official uh, invite from the from him into the league where the uh, race will be run on the iRacing service, and and uh, I think tomorrow they're having like a a test session, uh, which I think will be streamed on their Twitch channel. Uh, so go check that out if uh, you're managed to catch this uh, podcast uh, on October 14. If not, then maybe you can catch the replay if there is one that exists. But uh, we'll be we'll be trying to make our way into the field for the Open Wheels 500, which is basically a tribute to the Indianapolis 500, and and uh, it's about. Uh, probably as pure of a tribute as you're going to get with uh, the Indianapolis 500 and all the elements and uh, suspense of the real Indy 500 I think you're going to see in this race. So uh, the challenge is going to be to be able to set up a car and and um, uh, get the, the the right setup and, and also the right strategy. And, and uh, we'll, we'll figure something out uh, to maybe include you, Phil, as a help for me, like a strategist. Uh, I've got, I've got something in my mind to, uh, maybe where you can participate in this and and uh, uh, watch at, at least and and help me if if you're interested. Uh, we'll we'll talk about. Oh, that I'm later, interested. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk yeah. about it offline. But yeah, hopefully yeah, but, we can get into the field. Yeah. And I mean, qualifying is going to be uh, right up against it because the I remember last year for the. Um, open wheels 500 qualifying was really tight so yeah um, first first piece is getting going and doing the r&d between qualifying and of course race pace but being able to have a stable consistent car and qualifying trim yeah which uh you'll work on and i know that you'll be able to get through and hopefully once you get through, then we'll think about, you know, the race and being able to just kind of last. Because if you can last over 500 miles, um, opportunity is there for sure yeah. to go and win that race. So um, let us know your um, your profiles, all, all your handles so we can go yep. follow you. <clears throat> yep. Excuse me. Um. Yeah. As always, you can uh, follow me um, on Twitter, which is uh, handle is uh, JP Huffine, and then um, I'll be trying to stream some iRacing on my Twitch, which you can do at Twitch.tv/usailor2. That's Y O U S A I L O R two, and um, I'll be streaming probably probably practice runs for the Open Wheels 500, maybe maybe some other IndyCar stuff on the side just for fun, probably some NASCAR stuff or road stuff too, um, just just to you know, get seat time and everything and and have fun. But um, definitely will if we make it into the field, we'll um, well we'll stream the qualifying run obviously, but if we make it in the field, obviously we'll uh, have a stream for that too, and and um, we'll you know. Uh, try to do some other stuff there too, but that's uh, basically where you can follow me. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Philip G. Matthew. Uh, you could find the Grip Ship Podcast on uh, philipgmatthew.com. It's on WordPress. You could also find us on Apple Podcasts, Apple Mu- or Amazon Music, Spotify, 
Uh, we are also uh, we're also on iHeartRadio and um, on TuneIn and Podbean, Stitcher, and uh, you can also find us uh, there. And then we're working on other options. We have some things cooking in the works to go and have some interviews and to do some other things that'll be very interesting here as we end out this 2020 racing season it's basically going to be over in six weeks so um in what has been a crazy 2020 um racing season's about over but we will be here for you uh we'll be here next week on the grip strip podcast we are working on when we'll be on but we'll talk about kansas we'll talk about petite lamar bathurst and anything else nhra moto gp etc etc what went on here um this weekend on the Gripshire podcast we thank you uh please wear a mask uh, wash your hands be safe uh, social distance uh take care of one another and be good to one another Take care and God bless. Good night.